is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Good morning, my name is David. I'm part of the leadership team here. It's great to see you amongst us. Thanks for coming. I'm trying a new way of doing my notes this morning, so bear with me, I'm trying to speak a bit more freely, and I need to start somewhere to do that, so uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, the passage that's been living with me the last few weeks is uh, Matthew 11, 28 to 30, and it says, Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I've just been living with that. Although I don't feel very restful right at this moment, um, God has uh, just been stirring that in my heart about what, what that means. And the prophetic over the last three weeks um, just felt really prompted about the theme of choosing to worship, or worshipping when it's tough. Sometimes it's tough to worship. Sometimes it's, it's really difficult. Circumstances might not match our expectation. There might be a feeling that we should come into God's presence uh, with reverence, in a happy mood, uh, full of faith. But actually, sometimes our emotions don't really reflect that. And I wonder if that's a reflection of where songwriting sometimes falls short of real life. We can write songs that have catchy tunes and lyrics that focus on the good things and how good life is and the good in our lives and the good in our faith. And sometimes we don't feel like that. The reality isn't perhaps so appealing to write about. Worship songs with happy refrains about how wonderful God is and how he's made everything are great, but that might not match where we're at. And we can feel condemned. We can feel like joy is a distant thing or something that other people feel, but not us. And that leads to us questioning whether there's something wrong maybe with us whether there's something wrong with the way we see God or our experience doesn't really match our, our faith and that can lead us to questioning lots of different things. And is it fair? I wonder whether that's a fair representation. Do popular songs focus more on the good things and at the expense of the majority maybe falling short of, of this goal? It might be that um, our theology is a bit upside down that maybe our teaching on the end times is wrong which we call eschatology which talks about you know, when we die judgement, final destiny of our souls and of humankind maybe that's a bit upside down and a bit squiffy uh, do we teach that well sometimes we might not often Christianity seems to be talking about a great life everything being rosy and bright and wonderful but the reality of most people's experience doesn't always match that. And preachers don't really always help when, with that. Especially when our focus is on making life better, uh, on not being negative, etc., uh, etc. Et but the Bible's clear. It teaches the only perfect place of peace is in God's presence. And then and only then will the troubles of this life melt away. If we preach and teach something different from that, it robs us of meaning. It robs us of something. Tough times seem like handouts from an angry God rather than just what they are, difficult times. 
The psalmist David writes about life, the great things in life, the hard things in life. When he's happy, angry, sad, when he's depressed, when he's excited. And sometimes all of those things can be in one passage. But not all our worship songs reflect that. This morning most of them did, which is great. (laughs) But maybe we need a bit more honesty about ourselves and maybe we need to be more honest with God. That worship can be hard, that it's hard for words to come out sometimes, that we can get exasperated with where we're at and with where we see lack of change in our lives or lack of moving forward in God. David wrote in Psalm 4, Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Those aren't the words of a happy-go-lucky person. They're not pretending everything's fine. They're desperate and honest. They're about experience and about circumstance and about his expectations of what he wants God to do and what he thinks God will do. David wasn't afraid to express his woe and desperateness before God. His emotions, good or bad, he expressed before God. And despite this, Hebrews lists him amongst the great men and women of faith. So what was his secret? That's what we're going to look at a bit this morning. And the first thing isn't really a surprise, he was honest. He was honest with himself, he was honest with God. And this is really difficult. This can be really scary, admitting how we feel. That takes quite a lot of courage. We need to admit that we need help of other people. And doing that can be hard. And often that can be rooted in pride. We don't want to step out and ask for help. And we need to break that. Sometimes we don't want to let people into our hearts and see what's inside. Sometimes we don't want to let people see the mess. We feel like we can solve it ourselves. It's difficult to shout out for help. But if you were drowning, wouldn't you cry out if you saw someone on the quayside, for example? Wouldn't you be specific about what you expected them to do? And you'd want to be rescued. And on the other side, the person on the key that sees this person, hears this person shouting, wouldn't they want to rescue? Wouldn't they want to do everything they could to help? Wouldn't they throw a rescue rope or something like that out to them? Some people would call the Coast Guard. Others would maybe organise a lifeboat. And still others might jump in and try and save the person themselves. So honesty, where we are at with God, is the same. God can come in, he can move in our lives when we're honest. When we're honest with, honest with others, they can come and support us, they can try and help us. If we don't ask and we're drowning, it might be too late by the time someone notices. The second thing is perspective. David wrote these wonderful words about perspective. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. Lifting our eyes to the hills, focusing on God and not our situation, helps us to begin to worship even in difficult times. It removes the focus from us and from our emotion and from our self-centeredness sometimes, our preoccupation with what's going on in our lives and puts it back on God. When I'm in the 
when I'm out in the mountains, I find they naturally lift your eyes. They naturally sort of make you focus up to, 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 to the sky and to the heavens. Um, David's being really poetic about this. He's describing looking to God away from circumstance. God created all of this before me. That's who I'm focusing on. He continues, My help comes from the Lord who made all this, everything in heaven and earth. We're reminded that God won't let us stumble and fall. A while ago, someone gave me a prophetic word about perspective, gaining God's perspective. It's really important and helpful to do this. They told me to get up on a chair and said, what can you see? Does the view look different? Of course it does. It looks really odd if you stand on a chair and look out across the room because it's not quite your normal perspective. Sometimes we just need to ask God for his perspective on the situation and be willing to listen to what he wants to say. <coughs> Lifting our eyes is a choice. We have to make it. It's, it's easy to walk a mountain range or hills focusing on the ground, on the path in front, the immediate surroundings. But amazingly, mountains have that ability to draw our eyes off those surroundings and look skyward, heavenward. We have to choose to remove our gaze from what's around us and instead focus on God, on his uns changing and steadfastness. It's a helpful discipline to do this. It allows the focus to be taken outside of ourselves and back onto him. And the other thing about mountains is when you've, when you've climbed, you can look back at where you've been and often where you started off is tiny, tiny, way away and looks totally different. Your perspective has changed. The disciple Peter had his perspective changed when he saw Jesus walking on the water. He said, Lord, if you command me to come to you on the water, I'll do so. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. Seeing who Jesus is changes how we view life. It changes our view of our circumstances and our view of what's possible. And that's what happened to Peter. He had a revelation of who Jesus was. Jesus had earlier called himself the I Am. And that's, that was the name that the, 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 the Jews reserved solely for God. Peter saw Jesus walking on the water and he had a revelation of who Jesus was and stepped out of the boat. When our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we can step out of the boat just like Peter did. And he walked on water with his eyes focused on Jesus. When we keep our eyes focused in that way, on, on Jesus' work, on his incredible power, on the work of salvation that's finished, when we step out in faith, trusting through the greatest storms, Jesus is there with us. And when we focus on him, he's there. That makes worship easier, even in the most difficult times. It doesn't necessarily change the storm. Peter stepped out onto wind, onto, into the wind and the waves. It, it changes our focus. It's easy to say, hard to do, harder to do, but keeping our focus on Jesus changes our perspective of the wind and the waves. As we look at it, Peter took a huge step of faith. He got out of the boat that represents safety, security, everything he knew, and walked to Jesus. 
it was only when the, he was reminded of the wind and waves that he began to sink. So one question for this morning is, do you feel like Peter? Have you stepped out of the boat to follow Jesus and feel like you're sinking? Have you taken your eyes off Jesus? Did you see the wind and waves and feel overwhelmed? Fix your eyes on Jesus and cry out like Peter did, Lord, save me. Jesus will be with you. When Peter got back into the boat with Jesus, everyone worshipped. They all had a revelation of Jesus. They all said, truly you are the Son of God. Their fear turned to worship. So music is a powerful and wonderful thing. I love listening to music. Um, it, It lifts our emotions, has the ability to lift us out of our circumstance. And another question would be, do you know, do you need to know that lifting out of circumstance today? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, music will help dissolve, dissolve your perplexities and purify your character and sensibilities. And in time of care and sorrow, will keep a fountain of joy alive in you. Bach, the famous composer, said, music is an agreeable harmony for the honour of God and the permissible delights of the soul. He also said, the final aim and reason for all music is nothing other than the glorification of God and the refreshment of the spirit. When we look at music from the Old Testament, we see some really interesting stories about its power. The Israelite army regularly travelled with the musicians at the front, which I, for one, would be pretty scared of doing. Um, (laughs) Remember the famous story of Jericho? They marched around the city for six days and seven priests blew trumpets. On the seventh day, the trumpets and the, arm, the, trumpets and the army shouted. I suppose they must have played the trumpets rather than shouted. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> and the walls collapsed around them. Another, another story is in 1 Samuel 16 where the future King David came into Saul's employment and he played the harp to ward off evil spirits and the presence of evil spirits and the temper that Saul often felt. So music was understood to be something that was beneficial in certain circumstances over evil spirits and controlling temper, which is an interesting one. In fact, during the reign of King David, music began to be used extensively in worship. He ensured that the tribe of Levi were the custodians of music within the divine surface. The Psalms have served as a bedrock of Judeo-Christian hymnology. They've inspired people to write songs, in other words. Um, That's Irene Hess. No other poetry has been set to music more often in the Western civilization. I didn't really think about that before I found that, but that's pretty cool. So music is an important part of our society. It has a huge influence on us as human beings and has been used in worship of God for thousands of years. Now, I don't want to belittle any circumstance in this room or anyone listening. Some circumstances we face are horrible and they can consume anyone's attention. But God gives us the grace to worship him, to step away from our circumstances, even if it's just for a moment, and look upon him. Any circumstance 
in any circumstance, this refocusing will change us. It might not change the circumstance, but it will definitely change us. The greater the trouble, the more we need to get our head and heart into worship, the more we need to rely on God. The greater the challenge, the more we need to lean on others in our community. The more we need to say, I'm struggling with this, can you help? Whilst I was at university, I struggled really badly with depression. It led to exhaustion and stress and I was really unwell. This was linked to my dad dying when I was young and abuse around the same time. And there were so many different issues and circumstances and things going around in my head that there was just turmoil and I was up and down and didn't know where I was. And it was hard to worship. I had the desire to do it but didn't have the energy to do it. I felt totally powerless to solve the situation but I knew worship, worshipping would help but I couldn't get any words out. I remember a specific time in the, in the middle of this when I was at my mum's church and went forward for prayer and was prayed for by a good friend, didn't feel anything at all, just an even more aching. And the band started playing and the guy that was praying for me put his arm over my shoulder and just started to sing the song that was being sung. And there's a all of a sudden a, a huge sense of the Holy Spirit just resting on me and it was as if the song he was singing was the deep cry in my heart that I couldn't sing and just a wonderful sense of release at that moment now that didn't change that it, I was going through a difficult situation I needed to get counselling I needed to spend time with people I needed to pray I needed to talk and pray some more it forced me or I had to force myself to, to, to be in church I had to force myself to, to spend time with God's, God's people. It was, would have been really easy to sit in my room and not do anything. But I forced myself into opportunities where I could receive prayer and encounter the Holy Spirit. And I, re, I do remember a, a real sense of intimacy during that time. God met with me hugely and cleared out all sorts of things. But it was still hard. The one, one thing I did a lot of was listen to worship music and also just musicians who are Christian singing songs. And I had to be really careful what I listened to. But one of the things that was really precious was the gift of personal tongues. Which, uh, I mean, tongues is a spiritual gift. And they're two sort of different types of tongues, really. The, the, set, the sort that is a known language but the person hasn't learnt it or another type that's more of a heavenly language that's given for that moment and you can also have a, a tongue which is brought in a meeting and often that's that's accompanied by somebody interpreting that as a as a word towards us or towards God. Romans eight twenty six describes the gift as follows the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray as we ought but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So tongues here helps us worship and pray, especially when we don't have the words to, to say what we feel or express what we want to. 
two scriptures at that time that really comforted me were Habakkuk three seventeen to nineteen and Joel two twenty one to twenty seven. I don't have time to read them all, but it's about it's that passage where the where it says the fig tree does not bud, and though and though there are no grapes on the vines, even though even then I will rejoice in God. I'll be joyful in God my Saviour. The second one is I've, I found later, which is almost a, a recommissioning of the rest, a restoration of everything that feels lost in the first passage. And it, those two things really helped me through that circumstance. So what do I want to say through that? When we struggle in worship, get close to others who are worshippers and ask God for the gift of tongues so that you can pray out and sing out even if your words in English or your natural tongue aren't good enough. <laughs> it's good to listen to worship music in those times, but make sure you're listening to truth. Don't don't sort of listen to things that don't fill you up because truth isn't dependent on how we feel. Yeah. Hearing the truth still changes us and can bring release to us. So I've got seven secrets that for worshipping through hard times but also for being prepared for them remember what Jesus has done remind yourself who God is and why he is worthy that's number one number two, spend time in prayer number three, read your Bible you'll soon realise you're not the only person who's battled through hard times there are hundreds of stories of people in the Bible who struggled through circumstance some of them much worse than anything I could even imagine if you're struggling to find one then look in Job <laughs> fasting helps us as well it helps break our self-centeredness as well but be careful obviously if you're not well then it might not be the best thing for you at that time but fasting isn't necessarily just food. Number five, focus. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely or admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's Philippians 4, 8-9. to Make sure your focus is on good things. If you, will, if you consistently focus on bad things, then bad things tend to happen that yeah it's just some advice from Philippians <laughs> forgiveness be free to forgive people be gracious to those who've hurt you and or sinned against you again that's not easy but it's really important to do and finally persevere perseverance is something that we all need at different times I was reminded as I wrote that, about William Wilberforce, who persevered massively. He was born in 1759 in Hull. Um, he became a Christian, Easter 1786, and felt God give him this mission statement. God Almighty has placed before me two great objects, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. He delivered his first acclaimed speech against the slave trade on the 12th of May, 1789. But France declared war in 1793 and it distracted everybody. Apart from William Wilberforce. <laughs> 
15th of March, 1796, there was a crushing narrow defeat of the anti-slave bill. That's the bill against slave owners. In February 1807, the bill abolishing that slavery was passed through the House. And in March 1807, the anti-slavery bill, sorry, the anti-slave bill was given royal (coughs) assent, i.e. it became law. In 1825, he retired. In 1833, on the 26th of July, the House passes the bill abolishing all slavery in the British Empire. Three days later, at the age of 73, he died. That was on the 29th of July, 1833. So for those of you who are good at maths and are writing notes, that's 46 years from the start of, from God giving him a commission and for him seeing it fulfilled. It took the majority of his adult life. I can't really think of another human example, as it were, of perseverance. It's just an amazing story. There's real power when we cast our burdens on Jesus, when we put our full weight on him, when we put our full hope and trust in him. It's true at all times, but especially during difficult circumstances. Keeping communications open is also important. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. It's true in worship that when we cast our burdens and praise God, he sustains us. When we step out in praise and let the walls come down in our hearts, God will come and sustain us. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What can we take away this morning? Well, worship leaders, firstly, lead us and write songs that are honest and truthful. Don't cherry-pick the best bits of happy days. Use the full counsel of scripture. Teach us truth. And don't just tickle our itchy ears. (laughs) If you're struggling, tell someone. If you're struggling, you should tell someone. Please tell somebody. If you're struggling with depression, then come and receive prayer, but also go and see your GP. Don't suffer in silence. One in four people suffer depression in any given year. That's a really scary statistic. One of the difficulties is that depression is really misunderstood and we find it difficult to talk about. It's unseen, no one knows it unless we say it. And it's difficult to understand because everyone has different reasons and different circumstances. So don't hide it, be accountable, tell people, or at least one person. If someone tells you they're depressed, don't ignore them. Don't give platitudes, don't tell them it'll be alright. Don't tell them to pull their socks up. Be a friend, listen, offer support and follow up with actions that are supportive. Try not to give them too much advice, but be supportive. It's not an illness that can be managed by being positive by doing more things, by thinking better, by praying more, although none of those things are necessarily bad. But it can be healed by God, but it's often a slow road and takes different approaches. 
Cap's a GP and she sees all sorts of different people from all different walks of life that struggle with depression and her advice and the advice of GPs would be come early before you need help before you get desperate and you're struggling don't forget to persevere draw near to God he wants to meet you if you're not struggling at the moment there's news for you you need to be prepared don't assume that hard times won't ever come that would be like building a house without a roof expecting it not to rain <laughs> be prepared and the preparation really easy same as same as what it is to help worship during hard times remember what Jesus has done pray read your bible be in a place of fasting remember your focus remember to forgive remember to persevere and remember right at the beginning be be honest with god and seek his perspective for your life. Finally, listening to good worship music, which is full of truth, is never a bad idea, especially if you're feeling low. So, in response to that, what I wanted to do is pray for our worship leaders, our musicians, and our writers. And just to shake things up a little bit, can we all do that now? If you are... If you fit in that category, so you're a writer, i.e. you either write songs or you write stories, or you're a musician or a worship leader, then can you stand up at this moment? This isn't to exclude others from worshipping, it's just that these people lead us in worship often, and we need them to be people that trust in God and know Him and know His Word and can choose songs and be inspired by the Spirit to choose songs that don't just focus on the happy things, but cover the Scripture well. Can we all reach out our hands to them? Or if you're nearby and want to put your hand on them, then do that too. <laughs> Lord God, I just want to ask for our worship leaders, Lord, who do an incredible job in encouraging us to worship week in week out who spend hours uh, on their own writing or singing others songs lord i pray that you will bless them lord that they will be a blessing to us that they will lead us into your spirit into your presence lord by the songs that they lead us in lord that they would be keen to hearing your spirit and knowing where your spirit is going during our meetings lord that it wouldn't be a exercise of playing music as it were but an exercise in worship and knowing your presence and knowing your spirit god would you fill them afresh lord to to know you and the desire to seek you and to seek you in your word lord would they would you inspire them to write songs that help us as a people move into your presence lord by not just writing about the things that make us all feel happy but writing about what life feels like when it's difficult, but still, even so, focusing on who you are and your goodness. Lord, I just ask that, Lord, as they lead us, Lord, in this year, would you bless them, would you encourage them, would you equip them, Lord, would you fill them with your spirit that we also might be filled as well. Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen.
I've got a number of people that I felt God through this wanted to pray for and some of them will be really obvious and others might not be so obvious but Paul had a word during the worship time that also fitted at this point so wondered if he could be ready to share that in a second as well okay Paul <laughs> so one set of people I wanted, felt we should pray for this morning were those that were struggling in, to persevere those that needed God's grace to persevere I also wanted to pray for those that are battling with, with depression um, I wanted to pray for those who desire to grow in their worship worshipping God I wanted to pray for those that were feeling condemned because they they thought that worship was one thing and actually it's something else it's not just about singing about the good times it's about rejoicing in who God is and I, if you feel that you don't know how to start to do that then we want to pray for you <laughs> the other set of people that came up were those that felt like they'd stepped out of a boat but the uh, water wasn't as solid as it looked when they started. <laughs> None of the people that be responding have failed. They're all people that are being honest uh, with themselves and us and with God and are asking for help and uh, knowing that God will supply. So the, uh, the final thing before we get Paul, I just felt God surprised by God as I was reading Job this week that God blesses Job's life in the later days more than in the beginning to, to tell you that better days are ahead and whether that's better days immediately or in God's presence that's not something that can be taken away from you um, yes I actually um, got this word on Friday um, I was at work and for a long time now I needed to clear out my drawers um, my drawers at work, I've just got three and they're uh, absolutely <laughs> shocking um, I just chucked stuff in there and they're just, they're just a mess I just couldn't get anything I started putting stuff on the floor um, it was really bad, I've got leads and cables and everything um, but I need to organise this and Friday, I don't know why Friday um, I decided right, I'm going to do it I'm going to do it, I was busy but I thought I've just got to do this um, and I started cleaning out my drawers and I chucked, as you can imagine, chucked a lot of stuff away. Um, but Friday evening, I think, God started speaking to me that there was some significance in it. And uh, over the weekend, I've been trying to puzzle it out. I think there's a very basic, broad thing that don't keep stuff that's not, you're not using or that's not useful. And this stuff wasn't useful because it was in my drawers and I never looked at it for, for years. But as I was going through, there was some basically uh, priceless and catalogues that I had and I pulled one out and it was 2013 I thought I don't need that chucked it and I went through the drawers I got one from 2012 same thing but in a different year from that and I went back and I had stuff going back and I think I had two, three, four years worth of, of the same thing in there and I think this is what God was speaking to me about and it was significant that people were having stuff that was kind of recurring so Mine was a yearly thing, but it could be for others it was just a recurring thing. And basically, that you know, you're coming across the same thing every year and it's, and it's not helpful and it's dragging you down or it's causing you problems, or that just 
you've got a recurring problem thing in your life that causes you um, you know, break you down or, or, or something like that. So just a recurring theme um, that, that was that God was speaking to me about. So um, you know, I think it ties in what what David was saying about having you know, mentioned that one point get um, a clear out. So um, that's it. Said basically, if you've got something that's recurring in your life and it's causing you a problem, you know, we're here and we'll pray and you know, just to get a bit basically. So, Um, as I said, was just saying, oh, just sharing. I was just reminded of a picture I had um, quite a while back. Actually, when we got together with John Jude to pray on one time, and uh, it was kind of around the anniversary of the, the war, uh, remembering the hundred years. And I just kind of saw a battlefield of lots of people on the battlefield, lots of people who were wounded, and um, there were some kind of people helping on those that were wounded. Um, but those about forgiveness, I just felt that was something that was really key because um, I felt that actually there's some folks here who um, have their kind of the wounds have been healed, but then unforgiveness has kind of caused the, the wounds to become sore again, if that makes sense. And um, I think just God just wanting to impress upon us actually the importance of just continually forgiving. Um, and I feel that some of us actually have, we've got battle scars, I think lots of us have actually. But um, actually it's because of our battle scars and because of God's restoration, because of God's healing, that we can come alongside others. And, that, and for those who don't know Jesus yet, we're going through similar things. You know, we are on a battlefield, but you know, we are in the winning team, which is, which is fantastic, you know. But um, don't, I just felt that God wanted to encourage us, even though we've got our scars and, and things, to just to keep that whole thing, keep going. Um, and uh, yeah, keep the battle. So, if any of those things ring in your heart, and generally you'll know that by your heart beating faster, or just like, that's me, then please come and we, want, we would like to pray with you. I think having our worship leaders, or at least someone playing something uh, during this time would probably help. But So if, if you feel like you want to respond to a person being, God giving you grace to persevere, for battling through depression, if you want to grow in worship, if you're feeling that your worship view of worship was wrong, you want to step out, but you feel like you've sunk or are sinking, if you've got a reoccurring struggle that just keeps coming back and stopping you worship, then we'd love to pray for you. And if you feel like you've, you're in the middle of a battle, then we'd, we'd again love to pray with you. So please do come forward. If um, yeah, someone can... Join me and play something. <laughs> <laughs> Graham's going to play something. Excellent. So, um, yeah, we may need some help. Uh, if everyone wants to stand. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at 